Hey, Enneagram friend, this is Abby Rodriguez, your certified and IEA accredited Enneagram teacher and coach. In this space, I'll give you a sneak peek into real live coaching sessions and teach you how to apply the wisdom of the Enneagram into your life for personal growth. The invitation each episode is to take on a posture of curiosity, curiosity about yourself and others, so that you can shift from merely surviving to fully thriving in your everyday life. Visit my website at abbyrodriguez.com and listen into this episode to learn more. In this episode, I share the coaching space with an Enneagram One that's a homeschooling mama of kiddos ranging from age preschool all the way up to junior high. Building off of her experience of participating in the Enneagram Foundations workshop, we explore how to turn down the volume on the inner critic and really invite a posture of self-compassion in her experience as a mom. Our coaching conversation also illuminated the somatic expression of anger in type ones, which often shows up as tightness in their throat or kind of a rigidity along their jawline from all the pent-up frustrations that happen throughout the day. So listen in with curiosity and compassion and see what resonates in your experience or in the experience of the Enneagram ones in your world. What feels most helpful for us to explore or discuss during our time together? Yeah, just I I know we've talked about um, a lot in in the past about like inner critic and stuff. So that's kind of a big, yeah, a big thing for me. Yeah. Before, um, because I know that you went through the like introduction to the Enneagram Foundations workshop, Mm -hmm. um, before having some Enneagram language and maybe even before you discerned your type, were you aware of the inner critic or was it um, like something that was helpful for you to kind of label once you realized you were an Enneagram one? Yeah, it it definitely, I I don't think that I was um, aware of at least the terminology, if that makes Mm sense. Um, The... I mean, I, I knew that I was always hard on myself. Um, and I just kind of attributed that to like, I'm, I'm a firstborn and, you know, have just had a lot of responsibility placed on me at a young age. And so I'm like, well, I, that's just my unrealistic expectations on myself kind of a thing. So it, um, it was nice to put like words to it, I guess, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, for sure. For you, is the inner critic um, like a voice? Is it your voice? Is it someone else's voice? Or is it more abstract? I know sometimes it falls into that abstract range. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the more I've come in tune with with it um, and like knowing really what it is, because in the past it was just like, it, it was like my voice. It was like my thoughts and my voice. And I would say several months ago, I read something or heard in a podcast. I don't, I can't even remember where it came from, but how to name your inner critic. And so yeah. I did. And so that has helped me to um, separate. It's not my voice anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a different, um, the, her name is Cruella. <laughs> it's a different <laughs> voice. Um, so I know it's not me if that yeah. I mean, and that helps. Mm-hmm. It it sometimes is still difficult to get past it. Yeah, for sure. And when you say get past it, what do you mean by that? Like to um, let go of what she's critiquing you on, or yeah, the or energy that it expels. Yeah, like uh, it, like or even to just recognize what's happening, um, especially like if you're having an especially bad day or something, and. Um, 
things just seem to pile, 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 you know, to be able to like separate and be like, okay, this, this is not me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, sometimes it's still over so overwhelming to even be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, the expectations, right, that type one structure, the expectations that you're holding yourself to, and really that inner critic is holding you to, um, are really impossible. I mean, there's the times that I've heard one say that even if I was able to label what the standard is, which is sometimes hard, right? Sometimes it's so ambiguous, but even just this idea that I could meet it, I think the standard would just float up and be even higher. Like I, I would never even meet it. Does that resonate with your experience too? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Like I don't, I don't think that there's ever a way, no matter what I do, that I could meet it. Mm-hmm. Because there's this, you know, there's this line where I think it is, but it would certainly just change, like float. That's a, that's a good word. It would just like float above me, you know, no matter what. Yeah. So. Yeah. So in the moments when um, you kind of describe in this experience of like having a day where it's just compiling or maybe you get to the end of the day and it feels like that was not a great day. Um, (laughs) And oftentimes for ones, there's a lot of criticism that are that is happening that's making that day feel like that, whether that is criticism to yourself or even the experience of criticizing others. That Mm -hmm. is also just as exhausting because Mm there is this. Um, emotional response that is happening simultaneously of of feeling um, angry or concerned or Mm -hmm. um, this is not just and so there's this this fear around it or worry Um, Mm -hmm. all of that is an emotional exchange even if you are your type is being more critical of others so that's Mm -hmm. part of what is um, just helpful even to realize so in those days when that's happening for you um, when is the point that you realize the inner critic is sounding like is there I guess is it um, later in the day that you're realizing that or does is it something that you realize days later in hindsight of I've just been really hard on myself Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's different uh, depending on the day because sometimes it can be Sometimes if if I can, if I can just like take a step back and breathe, I can realize it right then and, Mm -hmm. and, and then have the ability to like, you know, change the dynamic of what's going on. Um, And sometimes it stays later. I think it Mm -hmm. just depends on um, where I am in my head space Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to even recognize what's going on. Yeah. So I I think it just changes. Mm Mm-hmm. In the days that you are able to just pause, take a breath and realize that what's happening around you or even just internally what's happening, is there anything that you can note that's different about those days as opposed to the other days where it just snowballs and compounds and you realize it a couple days later? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it it turn, has a better outcome <laughs> if I can do that, <laughs> right? It's, you know, like I said, a lot of times I can, you know, take a step back and breathe and improve the outcome of that day instead of having things just compound and compound. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, I need, I, these kids need to go to bed and I need to (laughs) have a shot of tequila. I don't know. Like I need to get through this day. Um, So I think that's the difference between those Mm -hmm. two days, like being able to reset the day and I mean, I do this with my kids too, right? Like somebody's having a bad day and you're like, okay, well, where are we do what are we doing here? I mean, sometimes I can't, I, sometimes you're, you're not so calm about it, but sometimes it's, you can be like, 
okay, you're having a rough day. Are we hungry? Are we tired? You know, like what was, <laughs> and so to be able to do that to myself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the things that I've been reading about and everything are like, you know, you're trying to learn to reparent yourself, like yeah. to, to, you know, step back through a lot of the, you know, maybe trauma or whatever, and just reparent yourself. And so it's an interesting dynamic to be doing that while I'm also a mother to little ones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so even, I love the the way that you talked about of, of reparenting and also, you know, that question to your kiddos of, are we hungry? Are we tired? What do we need? Um, how easy or maybe difficult is it for you to pause and ask even just some of those basic questions for yourself? Are, are those things that you stop and consider as you're going throughout your day? Um, it's very easy for me to do that for my kids, but it's yeah. not so easy for me to do that for myself. I feel like I, um, a lot of times operate in the, um, I don't, I don't, I don't have needs, mm-hmm. I guess. Is this just kind of like where, where I come from? Like, I just give, 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 like, you know, and so it's, um, yeah, it, that, that doesn't happen very often. It's mm-hmm. easier to do that for my kids. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and you're not alone in that. I mean, I think oftentimes we, you know, not even just Enneagram ones, but all the types, somehow we pick up along the way that being completely sacrificial and martyring our every want and need as a parent makes you the best parent. But the reality is if we pass that down to our kids, like we wouldn't want to teach our kids to sacrifice all of their wants and needs Mm -hmm. and their need to eat and sleep (laughs) in order to, you know, be successful, whether that's as a parent or other things they do. But for some reason, we take that on ourselves as if that is the best or the right way to do something, even though that's not what we would hope to pass on to our kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're not alone in that. Well, I, and I absolutely like when I do, when I do finally like, okay, I'm gonna, I don't know, take a walk by myself or, you know, whatever it is that I'm like trying to do for myself. Like I battle feeling guilty while I'm yeah. doing it, you know, like, you know, even if it's just take a walk, like, I mean, seriously, why am I feeling guilty about doing this? But it's because it's just for me. It's not, you know, directly helping anyone else. So mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. When you're in those moments, when you're realizing you're guilty, and I'm sure there's other spaces even Mm -hmm. outside of taking a walk that you feel guilty, are you able to um, almost like talk back to the inner critic a little bit and ask or, um, you know, even get some more language so that it's not just I feel guilty, but why am I spending time away from my kids? Am I, you know, going to come back and the house is messy? Am I not being attentive, you know, sometimes there's, there's a little bit more than just the feeling of guilt. If we kind of interact with that expectation, does, mm-hmm. is that ever part of what's happening for you? I think a lot of the times it is. And, and a lot of the times my, my guilt, I think stems from, um, like, I mean, I'm a stay at home mom. Like yeah. I, so I, that is my job, <laughs> but it's also my life. Mm -hmm. And so I feel guilty, not that never in a million years would my husband make me like say anything or do anything to make me feel guilty about taking time for myself. He encourages it, but like the whole, you know, not, maybe not the whole time, but like thoughts occur to me, like, 
well, he, you know, he's done his job today. Like he's been working all day. Like why should, you know, he doesn't get to take a break or, you know, whatever. And I just, um, I think it's because it's my job. Like that's yeah. it. That's what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. Yeah. So. And I hear in there almost a sense of like, I'm earning my keep, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost. Yeah. It's, and like I said, it's never anything that anyone else puts on me but myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and not even yourself, right? I think a lot of that is that guilt that the inner critic is giving mm-hmm. as if it's this unfair expectation that you would literally work 24-7 because you live where you work, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, the, your husband doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, um, it's difficult to have, I guess, what, what you know, what working people would call a home life balance or work life balance or yeah. work whatever. Um, because it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's where I live. It's where I work. It's where I do everything. And, yeah. um, so it's, it's challenging to have the boundaries, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So even as you talk through that, you know, I can tell that there's a lot there, like there's that emotion that's coming up um, I'm just curious if you, like, if you could name that, what, what does that feel like for you as you're talking through that experience? Hmm. Huh. I guess I just, I guess a lot of it is I am, because I know that it's just, well, when I say it's like me putting this on myself, I guess I'm like making it kind of me and my inner critic, like synonymous, like, <laughs> which, which is probably not what I'm supposed to do. But um, I, I feel um, frustrated and angry that, that I do that yeah. <laughs> or that my inner critic does that or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. things could be a lot easier and a lot more joyful in my life if I didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. So even just taking a moment to breathe and to allow yourself to experience that anger, you know, Mm. sometimes when we have those moments, especially for the type one structure, we're just trying to keep it all together because it feels like we got to keep our finger on everything around us, including ourselves and keep it all together. But just giving yourself some space just to breathe. You know, if you um, even could take a moment to close your eyes and breathe deeply and feel that emotion in your body. You know, oftentimes ones talk about it feeling like um, is it a constriction in their throat or a tightness or um, sometimes even just like a rigidity in their jawline. It feels like it often sits up in this space. I'm curious even as you kind of breathe can you feel it physically yeah I can feel it in your jaw see my jaw. In your jaw yeah my my yeah. chiropractor gets on me because I <laughs> am always clenching my jaw um yeah. <laughs> yeah I have to like consciously like relax my jaw and, mm-hmm. and massage it because it just mm-hmm. it gets all tight up in there yeah do you notice when you are clenching it before it starts to hurt like can you tell it's being rigid before there's any type of symptom of it? Um, not usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also do it in my sleep. I have like a, a retainer, yeah. like a mouth guard that like keeps me from 
from clinching too much in my sleep, but um, usually it's, why I have a headache? Why do I have a headache right now? It's because I'm clinching my jaws. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So a good practice for ones, um, and and really all the time, specifically for ones, is to check in with your physical felt sense around those sensations. So that tightness in your jaw, the rigidity in your jaw, um, if when you feel emotion, if it um, kind of boils up in your chest and your throat, sometimes people will feel like almost this, um, I can't breathe any deeper, otherwise it'll just all come out kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Because if you can notice that in your felt sense, that will give you some clue that you're kind of constricting down on an emotion that you're having. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to just get through what's happening rather than just allowing yourself to experience it. Because mm-hmm. Our emotions are not bad. They're just a symptom that something is happening for us. And so in that, you know, if you take a moment to take a deep breath, you realize that your jaw is rigid before you even get the headache or you have to, you know, massage it to to get it back to normal. Um, even just noticing that it's rigid can give you a space to pause and consider, okay, what's happening in my current environment? Is there something that's really overwhelming? Is there something I'm really frustrated about? What might I need because I'm feeling stressed or because I'm feeling angry or because I'm feeling overwhelmed in whatever way? Rather than in the moment when it's, you know, this is escalated and snowballed and now we're at the end of the day and I'm at my wits end, I just need my kids to go to bed. Um, But almost giving yourself like some space to check in. And it doesn't have to be this big dramatic, you know, I go away for five hours to do this. It can be just truly a couple of minutes of of taking a deep breath, feeling your feet on the ground, feeling your seat in the chair for sitting down, the back of your head, the front of your face, and then just naming what you feel in your, your felt experience. Because for you, you know that that rigidity in your jawline is, is one of those things specifically to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I say all that to you, I'm just curious of what that sounds like to you. I'm I'm just literally I'm kind of cracking up on the inside because I'm reading a book right now that literally in the chapter I just read was talking about what you just explained. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> okay, I get it. I guess this is what I need to do, right? <laughs> yeah. And even sometimes, be- especially because you know you don't have as um, clear cut boundaries around your work, or maybe even rhythms in the way that someone else might, you know, if they are um, at work or things like that. But even just to set a reminder in your phone, you know, you can set an alarm to go off like at certain times of day. If if there's a a general time that, you know, maybe your kids have transitioned to something or you just finished cleaning up a meal. So that's a good time to check in. Mm -hmm. But just as like a simple reminder to check in and you can click snooze if you're in the middle of a conversation with your toddler and you can't do it right now. Um, Or you can, you know, just take a moment for almost forcing yourself a good rhythm for it. Um, but just to take a moment to breathe, to check in. And in that, naming the emotion that's coming up, if you can give it a name, mm-hmm. but also just noticing the sensation can cause it to to dissipate, can cause it to release. Um, because it, you know, when we constrict down on it, that's when it, it gets held up in there and then it turns into something else that becomes much more of a burden or kind of comes out sideways in a way that we didn't want it to mm-hmm. um, because we just kind of put it in our subconscious and we didn't deal with it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that um, one of my friends several weeks ago said to me 
that was kind of a game changer for her and it seems to be helping me too is when you feel like you're going to cry but you like hold it in and and I do that often not that I'm like generally a crier but like when I'm going to cry, I'm going to hold it in. Like, I'm not like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, keep it together kind of a thing. It gives me a headache every time, every time when I'm like holding it in, it's like this pounding, excruciating headache. But what do you know when you don't hold it in, it doesn't give you a headache. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it, and that's the thing too. I mean, part of that, um, even what you're describing, and, and that really can be true for ones, threes, and fives in that um, competency harmonic group. I don't know if you're as familiar with harmonic groups, but no. there's this emotional restraint that happens, and it and it's part mm-hmm. of trying to approach the world in a logical way in order to, you know, take charge of what needs to be taken charge of, or to keep. Um, order and rhythm and control, you know, and the things that you're you're trying to help with. Um, and it feels like I, emotions are too messy. Like I don't have time for that. And so we just kind of constrict them. But the problem is we're human beings and we have feelings. So we feel, we still feel them whether we acknowledge them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think even too, you know, I'm just reminded, you know, with your little ones, I'm sure there's moments when the response is to constrict the emotion that you would be displaying in front of them. And, you know, it, it's really good for our little ones to see us cry sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. part of that is is showing them your humanity that helps to teach them empathy also, right? That mm-hmm. sense of like, hey, like someone's having tender emotions and that adjusts how I respond to them. Um, mm-hmm. But also just that it's okay, you know, especially with having – um, boys in your household, right? That sometimes these messages of being tough and, you know, don't cry and all those things, right? We just like, yeah, we're human. We have bad days and we have moments that are just a lot and they're really hard and right. we're disappointed or we're sad and we cry sometimes because of that and that's okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had a particular parent fail about that yesterday with one of my boys. He did. I just have a difficult time when they are, um, having what seems to me as like an ir- irrational meltdown. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, for but sure. Like we're at a water park and like, <laughs> he's not, he's not, he had metal on his shorts. So he couldn't go down this specific slide because oh. he had metal on his shorts. And so he wasn't allowed to. And it was like this big thing. Like we almost left because I like, I don't know how, what to do with you right now like this is not this is only escalating um Mm -hmm. so it's difficult to be able to yeah to be able to um feel the emotions and allow them to feel the emotions but I guess and I don't know if it needs to be a constrained way or a like how how it can how to get through that yeah well, and even, you know, not knowing exactly what was happening in that situation, you know, part of what you're as a type one are coming to that situation with is being in the body triad, you know, one's experienced the too muchness of things, right? And so when emotions are big, there's kind of this sense of like, 
this is too much. Like I'm on, you know, sensation overload or noise overload or like emotional reactivity overload. Because for those in the body triad, we just experience things so instinctually like in our bones. And so then it feels like, I don't know how to get out of here. Like this is too much that's happening right now. And so it's helpful to be aware of that and also to be kind to yourself in that because we have these moments where for us in the body triad and it's different things for other types, but we experience this too muchness and we might not react in the way that we wanted to um, because it's just a lot for us in a way that it's just, it. others don't feel it in the way that we do, right? They might feel it for other reasons, um, but it's different. So in that, um, sometimes a helpful practice when there's too much emotional reactivity, whether that is from one of your kiddos or even a friend, <laughs> is to try to um, ground yourself a little bit um, because that will help you open up more of a feeling space that doesn't feel threatening. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes when this too muchness is happening, this emotional reactivity, the body triad says, okay, put up big boundaries to protect yourself, right? So for us, our body is kind of a physical boundary if you think about it, um, but it's almost like a, I'm not going to synthesize what's happening. This is just too much. And so we put up um, this boundary to protect ourselves. But in that, if you can, instead of your type reacting for you, almost just taking a deep breath and imagining yourself with your, like feeling your feet on the ground um, and feeling yourself being presently there, it will help you to listen and observe what's happening without it feeling so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it, it's, it's like a way to be um, grounded without your type taking over for you because your type will say, this is too much. We need to filter this out. We'll think about this in a logical way which when yeah. kids are and adults, right? Like, I mean, I just, have found myself saying like, you, like you need to get this together. Like you need to get it together because I can't like, oh, I can't do this. But totally. There are times when I'm like so calm and, mm-hmm. and talking. So this, this must be the difference. Like I've been able to ground myself appropriately or not because there's very, two very different mothers that happen <laughs> depending on the time and the situation. For sure. <laughs> but the thing is though, even as you say that, right? I think sometimes we make these observations and it and we can be really hard on ourselves of like the two different versions of mothers. One is good, one is bad, right? I'm assuming that's part of what the inner critic said in that <laughs> in that internal dialogue when you offered that. <laughs> but the reality is what what happened in that moment was his experience triggered your type and your type responded. And your mm-hmm. type tried to reason, to offer logic, again, with that harmonic group, the competency group, just trying mm-hmm. to offer logic and, and void the emotion. The problem is the other person's having a lot of emotion, so they're not ready Ooh. for it to be voided. Um, and so the thing is, like, there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It just wasn't super helpful in that space, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. also, like being compassionate with yourself because your type just got triggered and you observed it after the fact you you know if there are natural consequences to a behavior you can always go back and apologize if there's something that you wanted to restore if there was a disconnection in that but also just being gracious with yourself because that's a really challenging moment especially when there's all these people watching you're at a space that you can't just quietly escort him back into your house that's a lot (laughs) it was it was something um, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know if it's something that, I mean, my husband was there with us and he's a type eight. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if it was something that like, maybe that wouldn't have triggered him as much. Maybe I should have been like, and you can take this child and I'll keep these kids occupied. (laughs) But in the moment, it's just like, and we got to go to our chair right now. And we got to like, calm down or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I thought I had him calm down after a while, like we reentered and it, it was not, we were not ready. We had to come back and it was, so yeah, I don't know if it was something I should have tagged out and maybe had Mm -hmm. my husband try. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe, right. Maybe that's a good curiosity, but letting it be a curiosity, not a should, right. Cause the language of the inner critic is shoulds and oughts and it's just not always helpful, right? We can't replay things. We we can't yeah. redo things. It doesn't work that way. And so it's good to be curious about it of maybe next time I'll try this or I think that was really unhelpful. I'll ask other people what they would have done, right? Those are okay things. Mm-hmm. But when we replay a scenario with shoulds and oughts, um, that's often the inner critic, the Cruella, if you will, that's driving <laughs> that, that yeah. uh, movie watching film of, of our memories of what happened. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 Um, you had mentioned before, and it, and it kind of goes along with some of the, um, you know, this experience, but in, in the, the days when the inner critics ledger of the, you know, the shortcomings and what didn't go well and whether that is about yourself or others, um, and that kind of snowballing, oftentimes, you know, with this practice we talked about of just taking a moment to breathe, to notice the physical sensation. The other part of it too, is if you hear Corella talking and you hear some of those, that language of shoulds and oughts and whether that's about yourself or others, um, to give yourself some space to be curious about what feeling is there. Because oftentimes when frustration is part of it, um, you know, frustration is really just another name for anger. Um, and anger is an emotion, right? It's just part of what we need to allow to come and be and go in the way that it's supposed to. But the problem is it comes and then it gets stuck because it feels like, you know, we're not allowed to be angry because, you know, our life isn't that hard or or we got to have a break this weekend, or you know, our kids are older than that person that seems to be doing well and their kids are younger, right? We make all these reasons why we don't, we shouldn't allow, be allowed to be angry, mm-hmm. um, but we're angry. That's just part of our, our human experience. And so it's not a right or wrong thing, it's just an emotion, giving mm-hmm. ourselves some space to feel that um, so that we can allow it to come to be and to let it go in the way that it's, that it's meant to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the tools that I often offer in those moments when you realize that you're angry, um, it's called the welcoming prayer. Have you gone through that at all? Um, I feel like maybe I, I did. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's lots of different, uh, variations of it. Um, I have one that's recorded on Insight Timer. If you're on Insight Timer, oh, just that's where I heard about it. That's okay. where I heard. I think I saw your post about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's, it's just like an eight minute guided meditation. And it's really helpful because sometimes when we're really flooded with whatever the feeling is of whether that is criticism on ourself or irritation with other people or frustration, um, it's, 
it feels really hard to have the support we need to pause and to just name, like, I'm really angry about what's happening right now. And so that meditation can be helpful and just supporting you along that and kind of guiding the conversation um, and just listening in and, and it walks you through the whole process. And so that's a good resource okay. too. Hey, Enneagram friend. The best way to make this podcast more visible for others to learn about the Enneagram is by following or subscribing for free to the show. If you found this episode to be helpful in your personal growth, click the follow or subscribe icon to follow the podcast as more episodes are released. Thanks for being a part of my Enneagram community and listening to this episode. See you next time.